Hey guys, today Jason and I talk about the top five watch buying mistakes to avoid. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the greatest YouTube show on planet Earth. That's this one. That's right. The Trading Desk with my, with me, Joshua Thanos. My name's Jason Maine. And my camping partner, Jason Maine. My tent mate. Not, not quite. Not yet. Not quite. Yeah. Jason What's and I up, are going guys? camping next week. That's what we're doing. It's Thursday. Yeah. Thanks for uh, tuning back in. I know you guys... Saw Josh was back and thought about not not logging in, but uh, I appreciate you doing so. Anyways, everybody uh, thoroughly liked the uh, Manjos show. Oh, dude, I Manjos! Think. Is, well, so this is guys. We love Manjos, and that's why. And if we can peg him down, would love to get him on the show. Really, every time. And if honestly, just him by himself is, would work too. But Manjos has been selling watches uh, since before we were born. Manjos is like the Tim Masso of sales. Yeah. Eh. Like he's the the guru the guru on that side, well, and Tim's all the, all the watch knowledge. He makes up way more than he knows, though. Too that's funny. Manjos is a great bullshitter. Yeah. So, uh, but, but no, I mean, he's been he's been in this industry for so long. He's seen the ups and downs. His father was a watchmaker, so we love to get him on the show. We've been trying to get him on for for an entire year. Yeah. Um, and I, you're going to be out of town next week, right, yes. Jay? So you'll be in sunny South Florida next week, uh, preparing for a group cramp camping trip that we're doing. Super it's going to be fun. So check out our of, Instagram. Uh, a little bit for... of cave diving also, I think. We're going to go hunting, I think. Yes. Yeah. Many things. For the most dangerous Anyways. Prey, right? But, um, yeah, so uh, I was trying to get Manjos on the, to come on the show with me next week, but he's going to be in Moscow. Yeah. Smuggling watches World. in certain cat body cavities, from what I understand. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his hand. Oh, I guess his hands are not body yeah. cavities, so I, I, I stepped out of line there, but... Okay, let's back. move on. Let's move on. All right, guys. So we'll let's start the, the Let show. Let me save off Josh with, uh, here with a uh, sweet little intro into a wrist shot. Yeah, we'll just for uh, it, change the topic here. Okay, fair enough. There you go. Look at that. It's very icy. It's almost like it's a polar. Ooh. Yeah. So for those of you guys that uh, are on the podcast, which mm -hmm. uh, is the number one podcast in all of the world. No, no, I think we're the number one uh, hobbyist podcast in Canada. So yeah, like there I you said, go. What's all that of, all about? All of, all of the world. Uh, <laughs> this is the 216570 Polar, uh, so white dial variation. GMT, it's the 42 millimeter. Um, I just got it, and I've been switching back and forth, but I, I'm really, really loving this watch, and I think... Uh, for those of you guys that are kind of on the fence, black or white, I think uh, this is a great accompaniment to like a Submariner, which I also have, or, you know, something else that's not as sporty, but really, really like this piece. And uh, one of the last it, uh, Rolexes you can still get under, or Sport Rolexes under list, or is yeah, it at list at this I mean, point? It's, I think it trades just a tad under list pre-owned. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, if I could nix the uh, Cyclops from this crystal and put the glide lock buckle on it, it would be absolute perfection. I wonder, can you swap but, it out? Uh, pretty Yeah, the buckle fit for sure. Just getting one's a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. Cannot um, order those. But uh, kind of stuck with the crystal, I think, unless... Um, but yeah, if it had no date, I think it'd be perfect. But Really? Anyhow, I'm liking it a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, number one thing, the, the little easy link, I prefer, you know, obviously the glide lock from sure. the Submariner buckle, but... Everybody loves that. Can't, you know, it's Rolex, so you don't always get everything you want you Can't kind of conform to what they make what but all right and uh i'm wearing a rolex as well something new to Look my collection 
Let's get a little zoom in there. A little shiny. Hey, we're blinging. All right, so this is a the Rolex Datejust 2. So the previous version, the current version is the Datejust 41, which is the proportions are slimmed down a little bit. It's actually, uh, for a lot of people, wearable. Um, this is a 116334 uh, with the... Uh, um, Arabic numerals, the lilac Arabic numerals, and the silver dial. Um, I've never had a date just before. I've had a few sport model Rolexes, and when this, when the opportunity came to pick this up, I'm like, you know what? Might as well get it. And it was a little beat up, um, and I, I just had it cleaned up, and the thing looks brand new. It, I'm really starting to like it. It took me a couple days to get used to it. Um, if you guys were following me on my Instagram, my social media, I was posting pictures. I was wearing, I was in Miami for the last ten days or so. Um, and I was wearing a buddy of mine's no-date sub, right? Our friend uh, Israel, who runs our service center, right. had a no-date sub. And right before I was about to run on my plane, run to my plane, I go to, hey, Israel, hey, you want to swap watches for, for a week or so? So he says, yes. He wore my painter. I, I wore his no-date sub. And I fell in love with that. So I started thinking about Rolexes. And then this came up. So I, I picked this up. Um, again, it took, me, it took me about three days of wearing this to kind of really fall in love with it and understand catch it. On, yeah. it and I'm, I really really like it right now so this is the again the 116334 so this is the Datejust 2 41 millimeter lilac numerals and uh, Jason was pointing something out which it's funny like I buy a watch like I don't stare at the details I just I like the way it fits I like the, the watch itself and where I can wear it and things like that Jason pays a little bit more attention to detail than I do and he was saying that you know it's kind of weird that the numerals are upside down here you want to get another zoom in on this so on the bottom of the of the of the case near six o'clock, which um, with this watch being upside down, you can see it's uh, it's at the top here, but they're upside down. Yeah, it's just it's got like a funky layout to the to the Arabic. Um, it's kind of cool. It's different in the way that like we always say we like the quirky off off the beaten path type Rolexes. Mm -hmm. So I dig that. Um, well, I like it even more that you pointed yeah. that out, and like I well, I did notice that, but I didn't think about it. And I always like something weird and like funky, and I, I like you know I'm kind of a weird dude, it's like right? The, so the Stranger Things, it's like the mirror oh, numerals. That's there right. Go, the upside down. The the under was it? What is it? The upside down? Is that the for? Uh, you don't remember our producer? Yeah, it is the upside down. So yeah, so this is the we're gonna name this the upside down. There you go. Right? Is that what it's called? I can't remember. I haven't I haven't watched an episode in a while. Okay, the upside down. So yeah, I think it's cool. It's funky. It, it has character. Um, I don't know how long I'll keep it, but uh, right now I'm feeling like this might have a permanent place in my cool. collection. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. When Jason approves, I know I made a good decision. All righty. So uh, that was wrist shots. Let's go to the top five. Oh, wow. It's a lot of Rolex. There's an AP in there, too. It's come high rollers uh, checking out our website this week. So, all right, top five watches viewed on on the website. And I think next week what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a cap because we've done we've been doing this for what this is probably our eighth week that we did top five. Top five, yeah, something like that. So I want to see if we're going to put something together to show trends over that that time. So we'll, maybe I'll put that together next week, especially if I'm going to be doing the show by myself. So um, number one, ceramic Daytona. If you guys uh, haven't noticed, the ceramic Daytonas are up. The black dials have caught up with the white dials in terms of uh, price point. So these are watches that were selling just maybe five or six months ago under 20. They're well over 20 now um, and kicking strong. There's a lot of demand for the black dial. And, and if you have been watching these watches and watching our channel for a long time, you know that Tim's, uh, Tim prefers the black dial. I have preferred the black dial. I go back and forth. But for the ceramic 
for this for ceramic Daytonas, the uh, the black dial kind of wears larger as a large disc. And I know I just realized I started with the number one watch, not as opposed to the number five. But right. we'll just go this way. Yeah. All right. So number one most viewed watches week was the ceramic Daytona at a twenty two nine fifty price point. Honestly, just two, my uh, my take on that. I actually have always kind of preferred the black dial over the white. I think it's a prettier overall piece. I know the white dials, you know, they want everybody wants behind behind what it is, but um, the black dial just looks like a better cohesive design to me and truer to the original. So, mm-hmm. um, number one, I could definitely see anytime you know stainless steel Daytona or sport watch uh, for Rolex goes up, you know, it gets some attention. Yeah. So number two, right behind that, you have the uh, the two zero designation, so the one one six five two zero. Yeah. Um, obviously predecessor mm-hmm. to the ceramic piece. And obviously, uh, I don't know. I've said it before. I think it's the prettier Daytona, um, as opposed to the ceramic piece. But um, also not a huge Daytona fan, so I don't know that either one would really stick in a collection for me. Mm-hmm. But I do like the uh, the one one six five two zero. Well, they they made that watch for more than fifteen years, and that watch shot up in value mm-hmm. recently. So you see, yeah, I, I, it's actually I could see both those watches in the same collection. I I like them both, and they're uh, different enough. And if you like the way that of the the fit and finish of the uh, of a Daytona, I can see having both. And I know guys who do have both those in their collection. All right, number three, we have the the a vintage sub no date. But <laughs> what is vintage? We talked. You guys talked about it last last week. Vintage used to mean anything over twenty five years old. This is clearly not the case anymore. Um, so, and I don't think that's a 25-year-old watch. No. Uh, that looks like a 90s, um, though I guess a 90s now could be 25 years old. Yeah. It's crazy. But uh, say it's a late 90s vintage sub, uh, sub-note-8, a 14060 um, uh, at a 10950 price point. Jeez, man. It's crazy. Just five years ago, which is a show before that, right. we talked about it just about five years ago. That's watch, that watch would be listed for about half that. All right. What's number four, Jay? Yeah. Uh, number four is... Uh, I actually looking These at the price points yeah. are very wrong here. So, so the I think I'm looking at it real quick. So number four and five obviously I think are, are wrong. Yeah, maybe um, even three might be wrong too. So here let me look these up real quick and make some adjustments on the fly. But uh you talk about yeah, that. So we have a uh, you know, very nice solid piece of rose gold uh, in the shape of an AP Royal <laughs> Chrono. Yeah. Um obviously two six three two zero. Yeah, one OR. of the hottest I would say, you know, one of the hottest chronos uh out right now. Mm-hmm. Um I think more people are coming around to spending this kind of money when you're talking about uh, a solid chunk of gold. And then even the AP Chrono and Steels, you're seeing guys going after AP, right? Because they went, you know, everything went um, completely vertical and became almost as, you know, almost as legendary and almost as hard to get as the Daytonas. So, you know, people are trying to hunt them down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the watch, Personally, uh, the, the Chrono in the 41 sits a little big for my taste, mm-hmm. uh, but I do like the watch quite a bit. I like the steel pieces with the panda dials. They're, they're really, really pretty. Yeah. Um, but this this is a whole nother level. This is like, uh, you know, uh, definitely going to sell to someone who it's flash. is uh, yeah getting off a private jet, getting into a Bentley. Like, yeah, you know. letting people know how much money he's got. All right, so that watch, the the real ask price for that watch, well, the retail is a 56.6. The the asking price for that watch is one of the one of the few APs you can still get under list. It was forty six nine five, and actually, the watch is sold this week. So, congratulations whoever sold that watch, and congratulations right. whoever bought it. All right, so forty six nine fifty, not twenty two nine fifty. And then the last watch uh, on the top five this week was a Rolex Yachtmaster one one six six two two. So, uh, if you guys remember about a year or so ago, I had a one six six two two platinum dial. So the 
previous version of this with like the older style bracelet. Um, this one is a ruthenium dial with the with the light blue accents, the platinum bezel, and actually the ask price on that watch, which is still available, eleven four nine four fifty. So certainly a bargain uh, compared to the listed price on the <laughs> on this graphic here, eleven four five. So just under the retail price because I believe the retail price is in the twelves. Um, this watch right now is being made in the ruthenium and the blue dial variant. Um, I, I think I don't know which one I prefer. I kind of like I, the blue dial. I think I like this iteration better. Yeah. I think the the baby blue markers and you know accents kind of make it a little special, mm -hmm. like we said, off the beaten path type of. But um, we actually had on the top five last week. We had the all gold. Oh yeah, with the blue dial, and that that's a killer too. piece. Yeah, because that one was like eighteen grand or something, maybe yeah. less. I think that one sold. Maybe sixteen thousand. I can't remember. I felt like that was a that was a bargain. And you're seeing obviously like the difference between buying a stainless steel sport model from these brands and buying the gold one is so close. It's crazy. Um, but uh, I I personally prefer the, the the platinum dial. That was my favorite platinum with the red. I've loved that watch. I traded that watch. I might end up buying another one. We'll see. And I I've seen. Say you didn't love it that much. Eh, you know, it's, you make yeah, decisions. I get it. I sold that because I. Uh, I was buying a watch for my wife, and I wanted to free up some funds, and I, I tend oh, to make rash the, decisions. Uh, the Bell and Blue. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I probably should have kept it and just bought the watch for her, but that's what I do. Um, I've seen somebody wear this watch on a NATO, though. The Yacht Master on a NATO. Really? Oh, dude. It looks surprisingly nice. I mean, I've seen the rubber bees and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. but, uh, on a NATO, it's actually nice. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. On the right one. So, all right. That's the top five. Let's throw the graphic up one more time. So we see, just turn my, oh, it's behind us. Here it is. Oh, and now it's on the screen. All right, so Daytona, Daytona, Submariner, Royal Oak Chrono, Yachtmaster, which is the luxury Submariner. That's right. All right, that was top five. That's a lot of Rolex. All right, guys, let's see. Do we have any reactions in the chat box? Yeah. Um, obviously, some of the pricing was wrong, so everybody's uh, jumping on there to help out with that. Yeah. But, uh, it's crazy. I, and I can check the pricing on that on that sub was that do we know if that was right or not oh that was right okay so it must be uh, in terms of it must be a vintage watch that is uh, worth so much money because of patina and what whatnot right yes. we can ask manjos why that's worth so much because it's cool yeah it's got patina or like like what i like to call water yeah. damage speaking of where, where's your pen or? uh you know what it's at, it's at the house oh, i thought it was at the bottom of the ocean again yeah it will be Soon enough. All right, guys. So uh, let's get into the meat of the show. So this week we wanted to talk about something that um, we've kind of talked about roughly here and there. So let's we wanted to make it a main topic, and that is uh, some mistakes people make when buying watches, right? And we all make these mistakes. These are ones you want to try to avoid, but there's also value in learning from these things. Um, so let me pull up the list, the five, the top five. I don't think we have a graphic for it, so let's pull it up here. What happened to the graphic I designed, guys? <laughs> I, put right. a, I put a little So in no particular napkin. order, we're not going to do a countdown. We're just going to talk about some of these. So um, one thing that, that I would say is would be a big mistake, especially when it's your first – like when you're spending a substantial amount of money. So you're not just buying a watch just to buy a watch, but you're, you want to start a collection. Right. The first watch you buy, a lot of times you want to buy a watch that you can wear in any situation, especially since – like if you're excited, you put a lot of thought into the, buying the watch – and then you find out, oh, I can't always, I can't wear this in every situation. And so the the number, the first one we want to talk about is buying a dress watch as your first watch would be a mistake in starting a collection. Would you agree, Jay? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta say this is one that I get a lot from a lot of guys. You know, um, it it doesn't necessarily just have to be a dress watch, but buying something that doesn't fit your lifestyle mm -hmm. doesn't fit 
you 90% of your life, right? right. So like dress watches are, are a perfect example because you can spend a bunch of time watching these shows, right? Mm -hmm. Listening to Tim, figuring out what the most beautiful movement and the most beautiful watch. And then you save up your money and you buy the watch, right? Regardless of the market and mm -hmm. what it's going to be worth later and all that. But now you're in a position where you have this great watch and you just can't find a opportunity to wear it. Yeah. You know, you're, you go to work every day, but you wear a slat. You know, you're not, you're just a jean kind of guy, whatever, but you own this Moser, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it's kind of a tough. Yeah, rose gold Moser. Yeah, it's kind of a, a tough strap, situation because now you're emotionally attached to this piece and you, you did it the right way. You know, you, you didn't rush into it, but you just can't wear the watch. So now you're pushed into a position where what's the second piece? Do I go buy a sport watch? Do I? You, yeah, that's what and happens. Then, yeah, so, and I think that is uh part of one of the other problems which we'll get to when, yeah. when i'll you know uh, mm -hmm. link back to that but yeah uh, you so got another way to say you gotta thing? buy something that's versatile and mm -hmm. that you can wear all the time and really fall in love with it like you said that watch took you a couple days mm -hmm. to fall in love with it some people aren't as well, this you is know kind of a dress watch right right but some people aren't as advanced to like uh, assessing watches mm -hmm. as you because we deal with them every day so maybe let's say you wear you buy a dress watch and you have to wear it for two months before you realize like you really like it but you never get an opportunity to wear it for two months straight. Sure. So a lot of well, people so another end way up to, resenting the first watch. Right. So another way to think about this is, you know, cons one of the factors you have to consider when buying a watch, which not everybody – it seems like when you're talking about it now, it seems mm -hmm. like it's it's obvious. But when are you going to wear the watch? Right. Uh, seasoned collectors, a lot of times, you know, they go through that. They think, okay, when can I wear this watch? Because at that point you're looking at it more of, you know, where does it fit in my collection – Right, but if you're buying your first watch, when can I wear it? Doesn't always come up, um, so that is something you have to you have to keep as a factor. So buying yeah. a dress watch for your first watch, dude, yeah, it's it can be it can be limiting. Like I can't. So for example, I was wearing the um, the Note Eight Sub. Mm -hmm. I can wear that to the gym. I can put on a, I can put on a dress shirt and then wear that out to dinner with my wife. Cannot wear this watch to the gym. Right, I probably shouldn't be wearing any of these watches to the gym. But if I wanted to, I could wear the Note Eight Sub. Where this does not make sense wearing to the gym. It looks silly. Like I'd yeah, be embarrassed. I mean, it would it would hold up in a you know in a, in a physical sense, but right. it just wouldn't look great. Yeah, it look. It, it would be, would look I would feel silly. You right. I mean, Which, more so than usual. Yeah, but, exactly. Thanks, um, Jay. You're welcome. Uh, so yeah, look, to, Jason's to your point, making fun of me, guys. Yeah, look at that. Ah, uh, back to uh, regular scheduled programming. Um, um, all right. So you want to yeah, next point? Uh, so we can move to the next point. But I think um, you know, part of making the decision has to be instead of you know uh just just to kind of finish it has to be how uh -oh. versatile are you going to be able to wear the watch so we're kidding guys nothing wrong with buying a dress watch okay just not listen to what we're saying let's take one sentence out of context and and make an argument against dress it. watches are great are they the most versatile piece that's going to be in your watch box yeah. no yeah. i think nine times out of ten uh most guys that are that are buying watches should start with something like an engineer's watch or or a sports watch. Yeah, tool watch. Right. So yeah, not a watch worn by tool, but a tool watch. Yeah, because it's more versatile. So unless it's the band tool. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they're if they're good right. or not. But all right. So the next one, Jay, you got the list? No, I don't. So. Okay. So the next the next uh, consideration you have to make in order to avoid a mistake is buying guys who go out there and buy quantity over quality. So again, we're talking about entering in, you know, making a, creating your collection from the beginning. A lot of guys, they go in and they just go crazy. So they find one watch they like on like a lower price point or doesn't even have to be a lower price point. But 
buying quantity over quality, and we'll expound about this in a second. I know Jason's ready to, to go on this, but uh, when we talk about quality, we're not talking about, we're not specifically talking about the quality of the watch and the way it's made. We're talking about uh, building a collection, so the quality of your collection, right? Right. So, Jay, so I've this is one yeah. that I, I've done, right? Oh. I've, I've done several times, to be honest, in multiple collections, not just watches. Mm-hmm. Um, becoming obsessed with uh, the next purchase and chasing down the next hunt, right? We've talked about that extensively before, but only leads to like too many pieces. Yeah. And you, you don't really take the time. Yeah. You don't really take the time to do the research and fall in love with what you have. It's just the next one, the next one. And what happens is you end up, uh, you know, with, with 50 watches, you know, that's at one point I had, just an absurd amount of watches, but they're all under two hundred dollars, two hundred fifty dollars a piece. So not a lot of trade value, too. Yeah. So then what you end up doing, and, and we hear this from guys all the time. So I I know this is this is undeniably one of the top five because it's it's a common thread with most of the guys we talk to mm-hmm. is trades like paring down a collection, mm-hmm. and you only get to that point when it's when you just have excess pieces. So um, I think you know the main thing here is. Like you said, it's not. We're not saying that don't buy Seikos because you should be buying Rolexes. What we're saying is being happy with the quality of the overall collection and how well rounded the box is, as opposed to having sixty-five watches laying out. And so, case in point, we're seeing in the, in the chat box, guys. I bought thirty watches and I was never satisfied. Like you know, there's got buy fifty Seikos. Right. There's a lot of these guys. I mean, I've done it too, man. So the, Especially when you start out, you don't know what you like, and you have to realize, like you're the. Uh, when I say you, I mean the general watch guy, the watch buyer mm-hmm. is is sick in the head. Like we all have that like collector mentality, right. like that certain completionist uh, aspect of mm-hmm. you know. So like for me. <clears throat> When I found a Seiko model that I was really into, I had to have every dial of that. You know, I had to have every hand variation. Sure. If it came on, if it was on a bracelet and a strap, I had to have both. Like, it became a problem. Now, I was lucky enough that, you know, they don't have a tremendous amount of uh, trade value, but Seikos are always going to find a home. Sure. So, you know, I was able to get out of them. But, you know, I, so here, a little bit of of personal life here. I have been in an ever. Yeah, I've been in an ever- ending battle with my father about watches so my father tell me how you feel my father uh has always liked watches right so me growing up he's always had a watch he's always liked watches but he likes a lot of watches he likes having hundreds of watches which and he's always told me like oh my grail watch is a uh you know like a omega seamaster or omega planet ocean that's Mm -hmm. eventually a watch he wants to get but he has hundreds of invictus Right, so I've always said, like, well, why don't you sell thirty of those Invictas, or right. twenty of those Invictas, because they're they're worth what two hundred dollars a piece, mm-hmm. something like that at the end of the day. And let's let's get your grail watch. Let's buy, you know. But he, I think he's more, he's come to terms with the fact that it's not about each specific piece. He right. just likes amassing a lot of pieces. Right. So you can look at. But your I just collection. feel like eventually one day he's going to be like, I probably should have got that Omega. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I don't, I don't know. I think there's a lot of guys that are out there, and it's okay to realize. That you messed up, and the right way to go about it is just paring down. <laughs> yeah, I'm loving this chat box right up. These guys are very engaged. Usually, they're attacking each other and us, but now they're very engaged in our topic. So, what are we getting? A guy, Kyle K, says, "I have 50 watches, still not enough." Um, 
a true lie says, I can see the appeal of buying 50 Seikos. Just don't do it. And this is true, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, whatever. Uh, Patrick Chip says, 20 watch limit to my collection. I have to sell one to get one, which I'm kind of at that point now. Uh, I'm a little under 20 watches. I'm probably at like maybe seven or eight good watches that you would right. say are good or whatever. And then and then probably as many like watches that I probably can't trade. When I say a good watch, I'm saying a watch that I can probably trade and get some decent value for it. And there's watches that you sell and it's like the it, well, if yeah. i sell a watch for 450 bucks like why you, sell it just keep to, it so for me like or you, for, I, even for like if i'm gonna get rid of something and ha- i have to offset at least a decent amount of of what i'm purchasing yeah so we, earlier today i was telling you i was thinking about uh you guys know i like the bulgari the finissimo titanium that's right Octa so, Finis- yeah I was, I was kind of like playing with the idea of uh disappearing my pam 510 mm-hmm. into that watch but but, you haven't been wearing it yeah i just i don't know that it would be enough it would incentivize me enough to cover the the finissimo i'd mm-hmm. probably just keep the 510 for what it's worth i think at the end of the day like it's probably worth three grand 3200 bucks something like that to a dealer yeah, like, for me to just yeah, liquidate yeah. it mm-hmm. so i don't know but um you know even even guys like us go through that oh we go like, back and forth should i sell this to get this yeah it's bad it's you torture yourself so yeah, yeah, yeah. but so yeah and so that's that so buying quantity over quality you know like th- like Go slow. Think about what you're doing, and you know, make because you're making a commitment. You know, you're this spending is, you're spending not a small amount of money on something that you're supposed to enjoy. And if you buy it, and then the only enjoyment you get is actually chasing and buying it, and then it sits in the watch box, I feel like that that you can be considered a mistake. And being self aware enough to know that you're you're running down that rabbit hole, right? Because I mean, yeah. it's probably a little too like too little, too late because mm-hmm. the guys that are watching this have already made this mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we've all been there, man. And just like you got to. And people do it with stuff that's not cheap too. Like yeah. guys go, oh, I need every Rolex. Like, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, I mean, yeah. Well, Rolex is easier to get out of. But yeah, yeah if you go out and if you need to bu- build an entire collection of Bulgari, it's a great watches, I'm sure. But it's not going to be the easiest thing to kind of pare down if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Jason's upset about that one. But to be, All right. To be so fair, let's get to like the next topic. Model. Topic, man. We don't got a ton of time here. Ooh, we're right. an hour and a half today. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everyone will love that. All right. So the next one. And uh, I'm sure you're going to look at us and say, well, we're very biased. But w- while we are, we're not the only one out here. So we'd say buying without vetting a seller. So some guys are looking to just get every last dollar off the watch or looking for the greatest deal. And certainly they exist. And if you do it right, you can find them. But buying without vetting a seller, just like, you know, just searching online and f- clicking buy now on the first watch you buy can be a massive issue. Yeah. I mean, listen. not just because of like outright fraud, but like, Customer service, if the watch is broken, finding out what their ability is to actually back their warranty and how they're going to back their warranty. Like that's – these are all things that are important. And one of the things we took off the list before is like understanding the cost of care for a watch. And if you're buying a watch from you know Joe Schmo who's just flipping it and making $150 on every watch, that could be a great contact for you. But if you buy that watch from him for $8,500 and then it needs a $2,500 service and that – and Joe Schmo is not going to answer your yeah. call when you call him back. That doesn't sound well, not, like that's a good deal. Not only that, man. but but the dealer who is out of his league in terms of flipping that watch mm-hmm. is not going to spend the money necessary to get it ready for you to, to wear it. Mm-hmm. Right? He's just flipping it as fast as possible. But it's not like he's going to send that watch to Paddock and get a full service and put a new strap and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He's just finding one that's pretty. Maybe he has you know his guy that just polishes it up and then puts it on the on the so. There is a cost associated with dealing with a strong dealer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's never going to be the, the cheapest, you know, the, the best possible deal. 
but knowing that there's something substantial, substantial behind it is mm-hmm. important. And it just really comes down to what piece is it and is it worth it? So we've talked about this before. Like I have regular customers who will call me and go, ah, but it's a tutor. And I'm like, all right, we'll buy it on Joma Shop then. Yeah. If it's if listen, if if three grand is not at the end of the day gonna break break you, mm-hmm. then buy the fun watch on, on Joma, you know, because nobody cares. Right. But you're not buying a paddock that way. You're well, not I, buying a, a longue that way. So like, I have a rule. So like if I'm gonna go gray market like one of those guys, and there are legitimate gray market sellers, mm-hmm. um, it's under five thousand dollars. C five is um, generous to me. If I was buying something like mm-hmm. I think a black bay would be like the the most I would just like spend grand, on a yeah. yeah like three grand's like the most I would just throw away, it, to get something gray market. But yeah, that's me. And some guys are saying in here, so like we have guys asking uh, if so somebody named P P is asking, does a war- a warranty card matter when buying? So that's a blanket statement. I'd say in some cases yes, some cases no. Um, I think it depends on well, number one, the age of the watch. If you care about the provenance, or if you're buying, say you're buying a watch from somebody like us but you plan on selling it privately, warranty card probably matters more because as a private seller, people are going to be, they're looking for uh, more peace of mind than if you're buying it from somebody who's large and established and authorized dealer and who can warranty and all guarantee all that stuff. So if you're buying a watch from like, uh, you know, one of the big guys, then warranty card probably doesn't matter that much. Um, if you're buying it from, you know, a guy on, on offer up. Right. I would say probably so, but, find a warranty So card. what's the relationship like? Are you going to sell that watch? Like, so if I sell you something and we have a really good relationship and I sell you something without a warranty card and it's coming back to me anyways, mm-hmm. I'm not going to care if it has a warranty card because I sold it to you that way, exactly. obviously. So if you're – exactly. So if you're looking to always sell it to end market, you mm-hmm. know, you're going to sell it privately, then the warranty card will help later. Um, the only thing with the warranty card is if you're not getting one, just make sure you're not paying for one. Right, you don't want right. to pay the same price for one that that doesn't have a warranty card. But if you're getting the discount on the first end, it doesn't matter. That's true. Especially if the watch is not under warranty anymore. At that point, it's just a piece of plastic that helps you say it's a full set. Well, it's or it's a provenance. If right. you if you want to buy a watch based on where it's uh, where it's from or whatever like that, th- those are important. All right, so let's get to the next topic. All right, uh, the next bullet point here is, <laughs> and I've never been one of these, so I'm going to defer to Jason, but we have some guys on the team, uh, believing boutique employees. So when I say that, that's an inflammatory statement, Jason. What does that mean? It makes me mad. No. <laughs> um, so it's just, you know, taking everything with a grain of salt. So if, you know, if I'm trying to sell you something because my sole compensation is that exact piece, and, uh, you know, I'm the type of guy that only sells one brand at a, at a boutique or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I have nothing good to say about other brands. And I don't have to worry about the pre-owned market when I have to buy this watch back from right. you. Mm-hmm. Then maybe, you know, take it with, you know, if anybody tells you it's a limited edition and it will definitely go up in, in value and it's going to be a collectible item for sure, I would be careful. Yeah. Well, because especially if they don't ask them, okay, well, how much would you buy this back for? And so well, we don't buy, we don't buy watches back. Right. Okay. Then call somebody who does in order to yeah, get so verification I mean, of that. Most people that don't deal in the pre-owned market and are only new retail for one brand specifically mm-hmm. are only worried about not seeing you until the return period. Well, that's what you said before. That was a very interesting concept. And I, because I've always, I've worked only in like secondary market or secondary mm-hmm. and primary, uh, I've never thought about that, but yeah, if a if you're in a boutique or if you're in a mono brand or multi brand boutique, 
they are they technically are only incentivized to care about you until the return period ends. Well, I mean, at the at maybe the, they maybe they're good people. Maybe right. they do care about you, and you have a relationship. The worst, you certainly are those people. Yeah, but they're incentivized only to care about the the sale until the it's worst the return uh, period. possible situation for this is cruise ships. Oh yeah, because it's it's literally as soon as you step off that ship, you're done. But if I go into a boutique and somebody who works for a brand that let's say is is not paddock or rolex tells me that they're the pinnacle of creation they invented you know the automatic movement they invented the chronograph which everybody says they did um and this watch x y and z is a limited edition of two million pieces but it's guaranteed to go up in value you know you're you're just selling a dream at that point so if they're if the if the person you're talking to is not active in the secondary market how the hell would they know maybe they're educated and, but if you don't have a personal relationship with that guy, you don't and you don't know that he's educated. You just walked in the boutique and he seems friendly. And don't believe what he says. Yeah. So I mean, don't believe you, what I say. If just you love the watch, then buy it by all means. If you know, if you can stomach the. But we know the secondary market, and we're still not sure. Yeah. Nobody knows what the future holds, mm-hmm. right? I mean. All right. So let's do. Uh, that was four. So the last one is, and uh, let's come back to even our opinions. Relying too much on others' opinions. So, getting ideas and thoughts from other people sure it's fair but if you are basing your work watch purchasing solely based on your wife's opinion your buddy at work's opinion or even ours you're making a mistake you got to figure out figure out what you like first and then get some input input and really just try to get information but hey i like it or hey i don't or buying a watch and deciding whether you like it uh, based on uh how many people notice the watch i think right. is that is a a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. I think what you're doing there is just doing yourself a disservice because you're basically with removing yourself from evolving as a as a connoisseur, mm-hmm. right? You're taking the joy out of like discovering what you love and putting it in other people's hands. So I've had many, many people, clients even, buy watches from me and go, ah, you know, uh, you know, I took it to work and nobody said anything, so sure. I got I got to return it or I got to exchange it. But, like, you should be buying it because the two before that taught you that this one was the right one, mm-hmm. not because you were, you know, hoping you were going to get a different reaction. Tons of guys, you know, obviously there's there's a thing where people try and hide stuff from their wives and whatnot, but tons of guys are uh, on the other side of that, where it's like, if the wife didn't like it, I can't keep it. But instead of her loving your watch, like, let's get her into a watch. Let's mm-hmm. see, you know, let's evolve that side of it. So I, I just... Uh, you should really be worrying about doing the research and figuring out why or why not, why or, or why you don't like the watch, not what somebody else says about the watch, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it is important to, for other people to have somewhat of an opinion, but not one that controls whether or not you buy or keep the watch. Cool. All right. Well, I think that was, uh, we covered most of everything here. Um, I know that we've all made these mistakes. I know guys who've made these mistakes over the yeah. years. And even though you listen to this and you and you take our advice, people are still going to make the mistake. I'm still going to make the mistake. You are as well, Jason. So what's the moral of this story? Uh, is there a moral to this story? There is none. All right, guys. So if you like this, uh, if you like this show, tune in next week. We can uh, figure out you know what we're going to talk about next week. Hopefully I have a nice guest, but if not, maybe I'll just do the show myself. Um, I'd love remember, to see that. Well, Jason did one. It was a I great will, show. I challenge you here and now yeah. to do the show by yourself. Uh, challenge not accepted yet. So um, uh, subscribe to our channel. We got over 75,000 
Sub subscriptions. I've been so now actually you don't even have to subscribe anymore. Seventy six. Seventy five thousand was the limit. You can unsubscribe. Honestly, it's a, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Our producer does not like that. All right, keep subscribing. We want to get to eighty, guys. Let's get to eighty thousand because I think my producer gets a bonus if that's the case. So he'll he'll He's buy me a, a coffee. That's right. Subscribe to our channel. Check us out. If you ever want to contact us about watches, you can email us jthanos at Godberg Watches, jmain at, at uh, uh, Jason M. Jason M at GodbergWatches.com. You have our phone numbers on the screen. Check us out on Instagram. We're always posting cool pictures of watches. Mine is Mr. Thanos. It's very easy. Jason has an Instagram now. He yeah. finally got on there. It's uh, Evo underscore watches. I've been doing Instagram longer Look, than Josh. Yeah, okay. But, uh, Evo underscore watches. Brand new to Instagram. So he's going to post some cool stuff. Uh, Watchbox Global. Is it just Watchbox? Just Watchbox on Instagram. You can check us out there too. And uh, otherwise, enjoy your the end of your Thursday and on to Friday and your weekend. Yeah, he's done. All right, guys.